Let us pray. Loving and most merciful God, we thank you for this day of Pentecost, for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, for signs and images that connect us once again to that life-giving force. We ask today that you would allow us once again to be mindful of the ways in which we tap into that spirit, the ways in which it comes to us both expected and unexpectedly, and in all things allows us to probably depart from our normal plan of procedure, our normal course, in order to do those things for which you have called us and formed and shaped us. Allow us always to have hearts and minds that are inclined towards the ways that your spirit works in us and causes us to work in the world. So today, as we mark the outpouring of the Spirit upon those unsuspecting disciples, may we find ourselves in very similar company as the Spirit comes to rest upon us, animating our life and our call to service and giving us the boldness to go and to carry forth the means of grace. May the words of my mouth, meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, Bless, keep, and guide us now and always in your name. Amen. So the weeks leading up to today, I have been trying to make the case for unity, make the case for civility. And it culminates with this, the day of Pentecost, when we acknowledge the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the disciples and that was the promise that Jesus had given his disciples that he would not leave them orphaned. He would not leave them orphaned and that he would send the Spirit, the Advocate, that would remind them of everything that Jesus had taught them. And the Spirit is, it's not that it's, not that it's greater than Jesus, but it's pervasive. And the way that the Spirit can capture and align hearts all at once is an incredible thing. So what we have here is Everyone is gathered for this festival, and people are coming from all out the surrounding region to come to this festival and exchanging goods and services, coming to worship. And in the midst of that, this is the perfect opportunity for the Spirit to come, as it says, with the sound of rushing wind, divided tongues of fire coming and landing upon these Galileans. And immediately they began to extol and speak in tongues, tongues of the surrounding region. So those who were coming from the diaspora were hearing these Galileans speak in their own native tongues. And they were wondering, what vision is this? What, what is going on? And of course, people were divided as to trying to unpack this vision that was taking place before them. And some had said, well, this, of course, is, is the work of God. Uh, these men are Galileans, and this is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And others were like, no, these men are making a drunken spectacle of themselves. Now, Peter, this is Peter, St. Peter's moment to shine, because so often when we hear of Peter and the disciples, he is the one who always speaks before he has time to process what he's taking in. Uh, Peter, just to give an account of some of Peter's finer moments or less than fine moments, was a time when Jesus was walking across the water and Peter sees him and all the other disciples were afraid because they thought it was a ghost. And Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, command me to come out of the boat and walk towards you. And Jesus is like, well, if that's, if that's your flavor, okay, come and walk to me. Well, Peter got out and was beginning to walk successfully on the waves until he started to look around and realize, what? Goodness, I am out of the boat. I am out of the boat. And this wind and this wave, this is real. And as a result, 
of, of, of that moment of fear and hesitation, he began to sink. Jesus saves him, puts him back in the boat, and says, why did you doubt you of little faith? But that's one of uh, many of Peter's finest moments when he went up to the transfiguration, which we had heard earlier. He went up with James and John, and Jesus was transfigured, and there was an image of Elijah, the great prophet, and Moses, who led the Exodus, and they're in conversation with Jesus, and Peter, thinking he knows what's going on, says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. I'm going to build three dwelling places, three booths up here where we might be able to come and worship. At that moment, that moment that Peter speaks and tries to understand what's going on, the voice of God comes in the appearance of the cloud and says, be still, be silent, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. Peter falls down along with James and John in their face. Playtime is over until Jesus comes up to him and taps him on the shoulder and says, let's go back down the hill, but don't tell anyone about these things until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. So Peter has had uh, an impetuous streak in him. Lord, I will never deny you. Well, before the cock crows three times, you'll have denied me uh, three times. But, you know, that's okay, Peter. So this is Peter's moment to shine. This is Peter's moment of redemption because he knows exactly... He's been taking notes, right? And he's been learning from his mistakes. He's been learning from his, his outbursts. And now when he sees these Galileans with the divided tongues of fire and they're extolling and they're ex sort of uh, proclaiming and prophesying in all these ver various languages, he comes to their defense and says, people of Jerusalem, what you see here is not a drunken spectacle as, as you might suppose. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that Jesus, who was ascended, promised that he would send the Holy Spirit to those that he was teaching and preparing in that time, that they would be able to take these gifts and go forward into the world and to proclaim and to prophesy and to create believers. And when Peter comes in with this invitation that others might be able to share in that, then, then came the ensuing the conversion experience where everyone sees the work of God. And if they were on the fence, if they were hesitant, if they didn't believe, if they were quite still unsure about all of this, to see this thing, to have Peter's clarification, they wanted in. They wanted to be a part of this. Christianity is a religion like, well, obviously, like so many others, but one of the driving components of Christianity is the invitation to share in the work, the invitation to have others who will join you in the work of proclaiming this man, Jesus, who made God accessible, to be able to share not only in the profession of what he did, but in the application, in the involvement. And it's always been an opportunity for people of faith, people of the Christian persuasion in particular, to try to encourage and elicit involvement from others. Now, there's a variety of ways I've done that. There's been, it's been handled good in some situations, poorly in other situations. People have been hurt by it. Um, strong arm tactics, manipulation, coercion. There's a lot of things that have been done throughout Christendom to try to convince people um, by persuasion or by power to, to get invested in this. This is not Pentecost's fault. All the atrocities that have been handed down in Christendom, you can't blame that on Pentecost. Pentecost 
was designed for individuals to realize that God has called them to a higher, more loftier, more noble purpose. And the invitation was never to coerce individuals into joining the party. It was designed to show them, first of all, the array of gifts that they have in them. The array of gifts and how they have been created and how they have been sort of... uh, uh, established in this world and how those gifts might be a means of grace for someone else. I have been trying to bring home the, the understanding in the, in the weeks leading up to Pentecost of the importance of every individual member, your uniqueness, your diversity, and your ability to be able to use who you are to be able to bless this world. And it's not complicated. We make evangelism and we make sharing of Christ, we make it complicated. We hide behind, well, I don't have the learning, so we, we, we kind of try to find the wiggle room out of the fact that we haven't studied enough or we're not, we don't have scriptures memorized back and forward. Or it's been a long time since we've read our Bible or we haven't read our Bible yet. Or, or we prefer this translation, we don't really understand. So you need all these excuses. We have all these excuses not to, to, to keep ourselves from basically doing the The basic work that Jesus did was to see individuals, to recognize them as sons and daughters of God, and then to invite them into being able to share in the wellspring of what that means when we allow our love to intersect with others and to be able to give a quality of life to them because that's what they're due. They are due that. The insincerity that rises up Amongst denominations, the insincerity of, well, you, you go to that church, or, or I've heard about things that go on at that church, or I've heard the teachings there, and we don't know if it's sound biblical teaching. And sometimes I see banners on churches, and, which, which offend me as a minister, right? I see banners that says, where the true gospel is preached, as if the rest of us are just faking it, as if the rest of us have no predilection at all about, about uh, the gospel and we're completely inerrant and maybe we should go and do a refresher course at church A or church B where the true gospel and the full gospel and the unapologetic gospel is preached. These are marketing schemes. These are marketing schemes which, which cause the rest of us to feel dirty about being involved with this. See, Pentecost is a story that we should be enthused about. Pentecost is the reminder that, that God kept the promise to the individuals and says, look, I know that I'm taking away Jesus who has been very significant, a very uh, central figure to you. But he is going away, but he is going to bring and send the outpouring of the Holy Spirit who will remind you of everything that he did. He will remind you, the Holy Spirit will remind you of the love and the compassion who will, will motivate you, allow you to clear and redirect your schedule so that you can go and connect with real people who have real concerns and need real help. And when we start to see this faith that animates us, this faith that makes us feel good about ourselves, sectioned and parcelized and manipulated and handled, then we start to feel like maybe we're involved with something, like maybe there's something about the organization that's just wrong, so we keep it to ourselves. We don't share it with others because we're afraid we might look like those people. Oh, you're one of those people. Yeah, I'm one of those people. We should all strive to be somebody who is desirous of being able to leave the world in the same way that Jesus left it. 
So how do we unmask this, this embarrassing notion to, like, to be involved with church is, is first of all, not, it's just not, it's not cool. It's not fashionable. And first of all, um, there's a lot to say about this, and, I, and I'm trying to be respectful of time, but since Pentecost is such an important day, and since it's the one day, it is the longest season in the lectionary. We will be in the season of Pentecost from now until November. So it is the longest season. Life in the Spirit, I think the way that the curators of the lectionary created the Pentecost season to be the lengthiest season is because that is usually where most of us find ourselves. We find ourselves operating in the Spirit. Jesus, Jesus is not manifesting, going to throw his arm around you and say, what's up, bro? You know, let's go do some things today. Um, no, but you will have the Holy Spirit who will continue to motivate and set the tone for your day. So I feel that we need to be mindful of how the projection of Christianity is looking in the world today. And how it's being handled to be a, a platform for special causes. And when, when people co-opt it for their special causes and special priorities, the rest of us get blamed for that. Somebody's out there handling your religion, and if they're loud about it, and if they're ill, and if they're misguided, and if they're dangerous... And out there and dropping the name Jesus and washing the blood and the things that they are attaching Jesus and his blood to. Don't jibe with your understanding of Jesus. We're going to get blamed for that. And there's a lot of mishandling of this powerful name. There's a lot of mishandling of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I truly believe that Jesus, well, I believe, as a minister, I'm proclaiming, I believe that Jesus was a man about love and affirmation and acceptance. You can be feel free to disagree with me, but I'm taking that one to the grave, baby. I'm taking it to the grave. Because I truly see that what he did in his ministry, was he recognized those who were squashed and pushed and passed over and raked over, and he did that open-air ministry, where not only did he come for the members of his own faith, not only did he come for the members of the, the house of Abraham, but he also decided to say, well, let's go over here. Let's go over to these Gentile lands and see what's shaken down there. Oh, here's someone who's bondaged in chains. Here's someone who's bent over with an illness. Here's someone who has demons. Here's someone who can't walk. They don't have the animation anymore. Let's unbind them, right? Let's set them free. So that way they can go back and they can be productive and animated and realize that God has not passed them over. So I do not want to proclaim and I do not want to be part of an exclusive religion where there is not room for those that Jesus would have unlocked and set free. So Pentecost, what then? If you could share, if you could entertain, if you could be open to suggestion that Pentecost is the unlocking of the power of God in and through us, then what does your ministry look like? What then does your faith look like? What then does your, your daily walk and your daily interaction with other individuals, both friend and stranger alike, what then does your spirit and your countenance look like when you realize that any possible moment, any interaction could be the means of grace, could change the trajectory of your life, the life of the person that you're interacting with, even if that is just but a minute, even if that's just a, but, but a moment, a transaction. But that transaction was so powerful that it's left both individuals, it's left everyone who was in that experience thinking and acting differently. 
And all of a sudden, we're not angry anymore. We're not mad anymore. We don't want to settle the score with someone. We don't want to remind them, you hurt me. We don't want to do that anymore. We'll say, you know what? You said some things. I said some things behind us. What can we do moving forward? Because this <laughs> Pentecost sets us free from our infirmities, real and perceived. Some of us still have, um, we are, we are, we're trapped in our minds. Our thinking is too small. And as a result of that, the, the, the spirit that wants to pass through and animate us, it's, it's blocked. It's blocked. It'll come, out in, in, in It'll come out in spurts, right? We'll be good to our children. We'll be good maybe, maybe to our spouse. You know, results may vary. But, you know, people within that, that inner, inner circle might receive our finest fruit. But then as you start to stratify and you get a little bit more concentric circles, out, it's like, mm, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I, if I have love for those people. I don't know if I can tolerate those people. I don't know if I can be in the presence of those individuals. I don't know if I can support those causes. What does an unbound, unfettered, powerful, Holy Spirit animating you know, the, the force and the engine that's driving you, what then does that make your days look like? This is, this is the question of Pentecost. The question of Pentecost, because, you know, can you imagine this is happening? People are just going about their business, they're doing the festival stuff, and all of a sudden, the sound, like a rushing of the wind, right? And when we hear rushing of the wind, we start to look, look at the trees, and the trees are like doing one of these things. You know, we're like, I hope it doesn't come towards the house, right? Because we're, we're concerned, right? Because wind is powerful. So you hear the sound of a rushing of the wind, and then divided tongues of fire. Oh my goodness, don't talk fire to anyone who lives in dry climates. That's what people don't. Don't talk, don't say fire, you know? Don't, don't, because fire is intense. It burns, it purifies. So you've got wind, you have fire coming down, settling upon these Galileans, a questionable group of individuals because they all left their jobs, hung out with Jesus. Bum ministry, right? We're just, hey, man, what you doing? Nothing, man. I'm unemployed. I'm rolling with Jesus. Hey, man, I heard he ascended. Yeah, I know. I'm unemployed. I got nothing going on now. I'm at a loose end. And then the divided tongues of fire come and set upon them. And all of a sudden, they got this newfound language, right? It's like instant Berlitz program. Boom, bang, you've got fluency. Now, we always wonder about that. We wonder, what's, what's, what's the deal with the languages? The deal with the languages is because now you... You got your passport. These languages were not going to be good in that area, right? Because you had people from all the surrounding regions. And now that I have the ability to speak fluency in your language, guess what? I'm coming to your neighborhood. I'm coming to your region. I'm going to tell you more about the Jesus story and the spirit and what he did for the community. I'm coming to your town, right? Dates to be revised. But I'm coming to your town, and I'm going to speak to you in a language that you can understand. So I always felt that the things that we do, I like to think of them as like languages, right? Think of what you're good at. Think of what the thing that you don't even... And that, I read this in a devotional. And it doesn't matter who wrote the devotional, but this is, I'm going to share it with you in the devotional. And the author of the devotional says that the things that we are called to share, the, our, our tools of evangelism... Our tools of ministry are the things that come to us effortlessly. 
the things that we don't actually really have to work that hard on. Some of us are just naturally good at some things, many things. And those things that come without effort, the things that you don't really, you just know how to play, you just know how to do it, those are the things that because it's not a burden for you, you are in the most advantageous position to use those things. And so I always figure that our abilities, our gifts, our wisdom actually are like languages. And someone might want to learn the language of your character and your conduct the way that you can do it. They might want to learn how it is that you are able to just be able to handle yourself in this certain regard. Make that a means of grace. See, we hoard our wisdom, dispensing it very stingily to those we think, you know, who can handle it. It's like, you can't handle my greatness. My glory is too powerful for you. You're like, well, give me a shot. Give me a shot. Let, let me see what you can do. Because to me, the day of Pentecost is the outpouring of the Spirit wasn't so it could just land there and fall like a dud and just, and just hit there and then everyone goes home. This is God saying, are you ready to move? Are you ready to move? Are you ready to get going? Are you ready to get on out there? Because I'm going to send this Holy Spirit. It's going to land on you. You're going you're gonna to hear some things. You're going to say some things you never thought you would hear and say. And guess what? Now you got to start hoofing it. Because I've given you a story, and I've given you a skill. You have a story, you have a skill. So you take your story, you take your skill, you go to where God sends you, because God's the one that sets the, the, the agenda, right? We get, well, I want to go to, you know, Cancun or Club Med. No, you don't get to go there. I'm going to send you to, I don't know, I'm going to send you to Detroit. Maybe I'm going to send you to Cleveland. You go, I don't, I don't no. No, no, William, I'm going to send you to McGregor. McGregor, where is that? Is that even a place? Is that a place? I don't know. Is that a place? McGregor, where is that? They don't even have a zip code. Unincorporated, <laughs> right? I mean, this, this, was, this was the talk when I said, when I was in L.A., and I said, I got a call. I said, I'm going to McGregor, and I'll get it. They go, where, where, where is that? <laughs> I said, it's in Iowa. Say, oh, well, see, that's where you're wrong right there. They said, that's where you're wrong right there. Stop. They said, I was a four-letter word. You know, can't do that, son. You can't do that. And I showed them, though, didn't I? Because I had a skill and I had a story. I had a skill and a story. So you go where you were sent. This is Pentecost. This is the heart of Pentecost. This is why you got all dudded up in your red today. I even wore red today, too. Peak. <laughs> I mean, I got out of costume because I am so excited about being able to share with you the opportunity to know that, first of all, you are somebody, right? You're someone. You are someone to be loved. You are someone who can love. You are someone who can forgive. You are someone who can be forgiven. You are somebody who makes each day a blessing. That's you. Now, we don't hear that. We don't hear it near enough. And sometimes we don't even remind ourselves of our own worth. We take the we take the world standard of measurement, the world standard of beauty, the world standards of success, and when we lay ourselves against that, we all pale in comparison. After that, everyone's just ready to just, this pleasant grove is calling me, you know, right? Then we're just, we're just ready to just finish. But when you hear on the day of Pentecost that this is God's way of saying, I haven't forgotten you, I'm empowering you, I'm going to strengthen your witness, you have 
total, utter confidence, you can go to those new territories, you can go to those new areas, you can meet those new individuals, you can embrace those new causes, because I am with you. You are not walking into the den of lions on, on your own. I am, I've got your back. Now, when we hear that, and we believe that, then who are we to fear? Who are we to hold our witness back? Who are we to withhold the power of the grace that's bubbling within us? And who are we to withhold the things that come to us so naturally, it's like second nature? Because right now there's somebody out there who needs your second nature skill desperately because they're just barely hanging on. They're afraid, they're, they're concerned, they're, they're worried about things that are going on nationally, politically, in the world. They're worried about food, they're worried about their job, they're worried about their relationships, they're afraid. They are afraid and they need a calming presence of somebody who comes in and says, it really isn't that bad, you do not stand alone, I am with you, I will be with you, I support you. And then they go, can I breathe? They said, yes, you can breathe. That's good church. That's good ministry. And, and if you take individuals who have that understanding, enough individuals who have that understanding, then that comprises a very powerful congregation. So no more co-opting, you know, God and Jesus. I mean, obviously, it's not going to end. But I'm basically saying, let's not limit the power of the Holy Spirit. Because God didn't. God poured it out on those ragtag individuals. And, and, then, and then Peter did a cattle call. Peter's like, anyone else want in? Because obviously the spirit is hot today. You better get it while you can. And they said, two for one special. Here I come to the baptismal waters. As you might have observed, I'm a little enthusiastic about Pentecost because I really do believe that it is a banner moment in the story because it's just like, you know, we get excited about Easter and people get all dressed up for Easter. But that's like, that's good news for Jesus. <laughs> right? He gets to live again. But Pentecost is good news for everybody. In a way, because it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the corporate involvement. It's the universality of it. It's the fact that the, the Holy Spirit comes and envelops us collectively. Right? So it's not just, it's, it's, the, it's the power of the empty tomb that's, that's now played out to the public, right? It's like the, what do they call it? The IPO, the initial, initial public offer for the rest of us. It's like, now we can all buy shares in the Holy Spirit. We got shares. For those of you who like that investment metaphor. So here we go, right? Stock options are low on this one. Get in while you can. And then go and do something and maximize your yield. There's much more I want to say, but I think you kind of got the point. So God love you. Amen. <laughs>